Welcome to the Pixel Classroom Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Reed. We talk about passion, innovation, X-Factor, enthusiasm, and leadership in education, community, epilepsy awareness, and professional development, as we all have a story to tell. Just before we start episode uh, 62 with the amazing Juan Castro, just wanted to say there are uh, two words that are kind of dropping here. Nothing too bad on swear words, but just letting listeners know before you uh, listen to the rest of the episode, you are going to hear two words in here. If you do have a problem with them, uh, I am just warning you right now. Very simple here. Don't worry. It's just a drop of the G word and a drop of the D word. Nothing too crazy. Just want everybody to uh, know that before we get going. So thank you again. And now here is episode 62. Thank you for joining us for episode 62 of the Pixel Classroom Podcast. Remember, we are on your favorite podcast network, so think about subscribing and downloading it to your uh, device for easy listening. So I have an incredible guest here. I've uh, been friends with him for a couple of years. Uh, we were actually on a podcast with Avengers, of all things, a couple of years ago, and he uh, also was a part of the Green Lantern Spotlight Pods Cup years. These days, you find him doing amazing things, usually in the comic book world, usually where it comes to inks and a few other ones from main companies from DC to independent uh, companies such as Action Lab and more. And he's got a lot of projects to talk about here. And I want to welcome the amazing inker and illustrator from Tijuana, Mexico, the one and only Juan Castro. Juan, welcome to the Pixel Classroom Podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. So, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the work you've done the last 10 years? I mean, you've done an incredible work. You've worked on G.I. Joe, Transformers, Aquaman. I mean, you've got quite the, the resume, though. But uh, so how did how did you get into the business and uh, what led you to, you know, your uh, Inkwell Awards, too? Oh, thanks. Uh, well, uh, I've always been a fan of art, like as far as I can remember when I was like five or six, when I would go on school break for the summer. Some of my cousins or stuff would ask for toys and I would just ask for like reams of paper and markers just because I would like to draw all summer and like get coloring books. Like I still have this very clear memory of like a Marvel uh, coloring book I got when I was like seven. <laughs> I, and, I think I probably have one of those. <laughs> of it. it was mostly like Spider-Man or Captain America. Yeah, it was like it was all the whole MCU. Like, now that I think about it, it, it like in retrospect, it looked like the Mark Backley kind of artwork, you know. Uh, so I always was into art. Um, after I finished high school, I qualified, I, I got into business school, but I also uh, got into art school and I had to make that like choice. Uh, and I like decided to go with art. Uh, this was like in the early 2000s when DeviantArt was really big. Uh, mm -hmm. So I would constantly start posting my work. Uh, I was doing a lot of painting at the time. Uh, my goal was to be like another Alex Ross that didn't quite pan out, <laughs> uh, but like, I love painting and all that. Uh, but then I really got into inking just from like seeing other uh, inkers on, uh, on DeviantArt and stuff like that. Uh, Cause I really liked the collaboration aspect of it uh, and how you can like infuse some of your own style into something like uh, polish it up, change a few things and how uh, you can give the same page to like 10 different inkers and you'll get 10 completely different results, that kind of thing. And so I slowly but surely got into that. And then uh, my first like big uh, break was Boom Studios, uh, working on the Farscape stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was inking over Neil Edwards, who I inked like two pages of him for the uh, podcast Comic Geek Speak. They did like a, the people from the forum did an anthology and Neil did like a two page story and I inked that. 
And he liked it uh, enough so that when he was working at a boom, they're like, oh, I have this book. Do you want to do this miniseries? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, why would you say no to that? <laughs> yeah, and at that point, I was still like only like in just barely starting my second semester of art school. Um, and I was trying to balance it out. Uh, but then it was like one of those things where I couldn't do both. I couldn't like uh, stay in art school, but still like be doing like two mini, at that point, two miniseries for Boom Studios. Uh, and I had a talk with like one of the teachers expecting him to be like, oh, you know, give up the comics for now, finish your career and then get back to me. He's like, nah, man, just like go for it. Like, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Like if you have a diploma or not, like it's art. Like if you're getting work, just go with that. <laughs> right. And I haven't looked back since. <laughs> Yeah, and you've done some incredible work. I mean, work here. I mean, you've you've had work except with Boom. You've worked a lot with DC. Villain would create yeah. own works too. Um, you know, it, it's very interesting to do that. But you know, do you do you ever find yourself like just kind of in awe of some of the characters you've done? I mean, like I said, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, growing up, I mean, like you said, you were talking about the old Marvel color book, but like I said, I mean, Aquaman, um, Suicide Squad. I mean, you know, very big names that are even in pop culture today. Thanks. Yeah. Two of the most like surreal moments for me uh, working at, in comics have been uh, when Toy Story 3 was about to come out. Like mm -hmm. I, I was one of those little kids. I was born in 87. So I was like 10 ish or something when the first Toy Story came out. Uh, and I remember going to the theater to see it. I was like, like, wow. And by the time that third movie came out, I was working on a Toy Story book for Boom. And that was just like, like it blew my mind <laughs> and then it happened again when i was doing a uh, halo escalation for dark horse because i have this very clear vivid memory in my head when the second halo book came out a buddy of mine we went and we rented it at blockbuster this is how long ago that was yeah, i was like blockbuster there's only one yeah. left in the world because <laughs> uh you could do that was one of like the first games where you could do the story mode and co-op so like we literally started the game at like 10 o'clock in the morning got pizza and all that and finished it at like 2 a.m for the whole game and then by the time halo 4 or 5 was coming out i was doing the tie-in book in between the two games and I was like, wow wow and actually like um him and a bunch of other friends of mine we still before the pandemic got together every couple of months for a gamer night where we will hook up like three consoles to three different tvs and stuff and i was on my way to one of those when i got the email from dark horse saying he had been approved for the halo book so it was one of those other like, damn, how is this like, this is nerdy full circle going on here. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, I have to admit, I mean, here you went as, you know, like I said, you're were, you're about 10-ish, you know, because I remember when the first one came in, I was finishing high school, which dates me too, but because uh, I was 25 years ago. But, you know, it's very interesting, you know, here you are like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Look at all this Woody buzz, all these cool characters and everything. And then here Toy Story 3 comes out and you're working on the adaption. And then, like you said, you were that guy, get your buddy in the pizzas. You know, I remember me and my buddies, like when Duke Nukem came came out in doom nice. too you know we got up you know got on my old nintendo 64 we grabbed pizza stuff my mom was like you guys be quiet down there have fun <laughs> you know do but here you got to actually experience it in the normal consumer sense as a fan and enjoying it and then here you actually got to work in the actual genre and part of that entire um piece which is i think is an incredible story that you know some people just don't get a chance to really experience yeah like i've been extremely fortunate with like the awesome properties and characters i get to work with like uh gi joe you know i got to do like putting it all together i think during my years at dw i must have done over like like 50 issues of gi joe and transformers put together and i was like 
I remember being like six eating cereal, like watching the reruns <laughs> of the cartoons and all this. And now here I am and I would get like notes on, on that thing. I'm like, oh, they, they would send me like pictures of the toys. I'm like, oh, I remember totally wanting that and couldn't get it, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid. And, like, now, oh, and now here you are, you're, here are inking the character yeah. set of the toys you never got to have as a kid either. I mean, wow, it's just- Yeah, there was, uh, I think it was for issue, I can't remember if it was 100 or 200 of, uh, I think it was issue 100 of, of uh, or. 200s so I'm, I'm blanking out of real american hero with larry hama oh yeah when larry and, hama was doing it yes. and it was like this double page spread that they had me like document the process of because they wanted to make it like a special feature for the issue and like there's all these his tanks like just like running at the camera for the shot and all that and i remember like playing with my older cousin's toys and like having like a bunch of his tanks you know <laughs> i was like wow it's kind of like how some writers will actually buy the action figures of like known characters. I know Jeff Johns in his office is like, you know, had figurines of like the Martian Manhunter and like Superman. He would actually, you know, when he's dialoguing, he would actually, and they would talk like this and everything else yeah. too. And I, uh, I remember some people when they were doing storyboards for the later Star Wars movie, they would have the actual original ones, like the more of the, more of the like more higher ones you go buy at Target or something now. And then they would actually say, okay, here's the position he would be in. Now he would probably say something like this and the stormtroopers would do something like this and next you know they write up a script like that but and then i had the complete reverse with like uh when i was doing arrow for dc because i'm gonna be honest like i wasn't watching the the cw show at the beginning i just like wasn't on my radar but then Mm. i would get these scripts and it was like oh and then diggle does this and then she and she does this i'm like who are these people so i had to go and like actually start watching the show then i'm like i'll just watch two or three episodes just to like make a list of who's who and stuff but then by episode like four, I was hooked. <laughs> so it was like right. the reverse. Yeah, some shows do that too. I mean, it's like me. It's like, you know, I watched the Stargirl show, but I was a fan of it and got right away. But I was, uh, we were watching, um, I forgot what the show was. It was something my uh, mom recommended. She's like, did you, did you watch the current Supergirl series? Like, no, I haven't really. Next thing you know, I was like watching and they were doing the Crisis on Infinity Earth. And I was like, okay, I got to watch this all through now too. So it's interesting what hooks you there. So like, how did that, you know, how did that lead to your Inkwell Awards too? And speaking of which, people don't know what the Ink well awards really are i know what they are but what exactly are the inkwell awards when it comes to the uh, comic industry there uh, well the inkwell awards are uh these uh, awards designed specifically for anchors because it's felt like in other award uh comic book award shows inking is not doesn't have quite a spotlight on it you know mm-hmm. so some people got together uh and and they decided to make an award just for inking and the recent when i was nominated uh, i was working on molly danger mm-hmm. and I can't remember who it was. It was Halo or Green Lantern Corps. So it was one of those two. Uh, and it was nominated for those two for like a newcomer and adaptable. Cause like, that's the thing that I pride myself the most uh, on. Like right now I'm working on April. I inked five different pencilers, <laughs> all with completely different styles. And I really love like adapting my style to them and catering to their their sensibilities because i've seen some inkers that are great they're absolute masters of their craft but like they kind of approach every penciler the same way uh they have their very specific touch but i like to kind of like more craft it to the specific penciler so like uh, right now i'm making a guy that's completely uh very animated and cartoony and i have to use thick brush lines is uh shahine lodzuje mm-hmm. uh He's from Turkey, but he, he lives in France. Uh, kind of a Joe Mad influence, Humberto oh, Ramos okay. kind of so style. Oh, okay. So you can get that that's just, with the ma- animation yeah. magma. Yeah, yeah. So I just grab like a 
a fat brush and I'm just having fun and I'm slinging ink on the page and stuff like that. And then the next day I'll be in King Jamal Eigel, mm. very clean, classic illustrator. And I'll have my nibs and like my 005 point pens, you know, and stuff like that. And it keeps it interesting. It keeps it fun, you know? Yeah. And I think that's an interesting thing because people always hear inkers and they never really understand what inkers, how it's to work with these different artists. I mean, there's some that stay with specific artists over a course of years. Some, you know, some artists actually ink their own work and vice versa. I know some do digital work and are able to do work like that, like say Pete Woods or somebody else. But what is it like? You just, you just gave a thing, but you know, as the inker, when you come in, what is that process? Because, you know, you do use a lot of digital, you use a lot of print. I know when you did some things for my life as a comic book reader, when I sent you those pieces, you had to have it in a specific 600 DPI so it would actually work. So what is that process like? I don't think a lot of people really understand what the process is and how that works, especially with different artists. Yeah, generally, there's like two approaches to it. Either the penciler physically mails you the pencil pages uh, and you ink from that. And once you let the ink dry for like a few hours, and I learned this the hard way, uh, <laughs> then you come in and erase like the pencil underneath. Because uh, especially during the summer, like uh, it's there's a bit of chemistry involved in inking because like ink acts different according to the weather sometimes. <laughs> uh, especially when you be in full summer south too. Yeah. And uh, so like the first time I got pencils, I like inked it. And the second I was done, I grabbed the eraser and I started to clean up the page and I just smudged a lot of things. Oh, no. <laughs> so then I learned that you're supposed to let them sit for like at least two hours before doing that. Uh, and the <laughs> other technique, the one that's, more commonly used um, right now is that the pencil will send you like a high resolution scan of their pencils. And then um, you can convert them uh, onto blue line uh, on Photoshop and then just print them out on artboard and ink from there. And that way it's easier because like the second you're done, like you let it dry for like 15 minutes and then you can put it into the scanner without any issues and like Photoshop will just get rid of the blue, you know, with a couple of uh, steps. Um, and then you clean it up a little bit and send it up to the colorist. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's just, it's an, an amazing process. I mean, one thing is, you know, I'm teaching graphic design in my classes now too. And my mother was a graphic designer for 35 years, but it's just interesting how that process works and everything too, especially, you know, how, you, like you said, you used to do it. I know I used to watch old uh, documentaries in the nineties and I would see over the stories like, yeah, we had a FedEx it or I had to drop it in the mail and, or I had to throw it through the fax machine. I remember they would say they would fax sometimes work out to the writers and the inkers, and then they would have to get it on a higher art board, uh, you know, do all the inks and everything else too. Or some people, like you said, just do the digital and then they remove it. But it's, it's just a, such a fascinating process. It's just been in, do you, do you see, like you said, you have different art sides. You've always um, thought about more of the darker shades when you do inking, or have you just thought kind of going with whatever the artists themselves do too? I just go with whatever, like the, the penciler uh, wants to go with. Um, ideally, like, like the ideal penciler, like to say for, for me as an inker, uh, like is somebody that, gives you a loose enough pencils where you can like just figure it out on your own. Uh, but not so loose that you're having to like do a, a lot of the, the artwork of the penciling part of it. Uh, and I'm lucky that I work with a lot of those guys like like Jamal, I've been inking for like almost 10 years now. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's amazing. And like, he'll just like scrap, uh, scribble random notes sometimes on the side of the panels, you know, because and how, oh, okay, he wants me to do this or that. And it's awesome because like we talk pretty much every day when we're on a, on a book. Um, and we have guys like Shaheen, who I recently started working with. And finally, like three years of studying French before the pandemic hit paid off. <laughs> it's like, and they have a full conversation. I'm like, oh, wow, this actually worked. 
And I also have uh, another pencil that I'm working with right now. It's Ariel Medel. He's uh, from Mexico as well. He's done a lot of stuff for like Cinescope and stuff like that. Uh, he uh, works digitally and I work traditionally. So like uh, in the beginning, there were some like uh, stuff that we couldn't coordinate, but we're like, okay, so you're working digitally. So you can do like set up these layers this way so that it makes my job easier this way. And then I can do a better job with this kind of thing. So it's, it's a whole uh, process. Wow. I mean, it, it is, like I said, I'm always blown away by just how it is. And like I said, I, I, you know, I see your work on Instagram a lot more and everything, but sometimes I'm just like, whoa, there's another amazing piece too. And like I said, I'll sometimes uh, show my wife and she'll be like, well, that's amazing. Who is this guy? And I tell her, and she's like, oh, you actually know this guy. I'm like, I know him. And it's, uh, he just, she's like, I'm blown away by his artistic style. My mom, right. so my mom, my mom's even said that too, as a graphic designer. So there's one more critic in your corner to actually, oh, nice. you, you <laughs> actually you. are a very good, you know, inker. And she said herself, like, it's a whole different process than being a regular pencil or artist and somebody who knew that too and my mother can draw pretty decently me you know like i said I, I i'm lucky if i do a line and then some days i actually look like i can imitate early jack kirby but you know it just comes up on things so let's talk about your projects a little i mean you've got quite a few ones here i mean uh i think some people you know people who follow your work probably have heard of them or instagram and i guess we'll talk about the big one at the towards the end here but uh, what is the story behind these a uh, couple ones we'll throw the first one out which is the wrong earth which you know i have been hearing from a couple people through the grapevine and other um, podcasts and stuff. So what, what is The Wrong Earth all about? Uh, so The Wrong Earth is a project that I've been doing for like a while now with uh, Tom Pyre and Jamal Igel. Uh, you, you have your story, basically, you can imagine you're Adam West Batman and you're Frank Miller, like goddamn Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and then through some shenanigans, they end up switching Earths. Um, and how, how does the world react to having like this cartoonish, but functional like Batman that has like, I don't know, like anti-bullet pills or like a Batmobile, uh, an uncrushable like Batmobile that inflates itself with a push of a button in like a realistic dark world. And then on the other side, how does a really dark sadistic Batman like <laughs> handle like copes with living in this cartoon world where like the villains just want to like brew a giant pot of tea in the middle of a bank you know <laughs> right. <Stuff like that. laughs> i mean and i think it's, and it's always the classic thing it's like it's like if if you were to teach it's like me i'm a teacher it's like okay if you were to teach a math class i'm pretty sure you would teach it much differently than you know like i said one of my coworkers would teach my consumer ed class or my <laughs> computer class i said yeah exactly like first of all like, the kids know us but how would you react with a person that's applying you know like i said a pythagorean theorem to the dimensions of creating a video versus a teacher who is show, you know using gamification to explain you know here's the tables for solving for why i mean we, first of all i think we'd both be kind of funny but yeah exactly you know what would happen if you took that and put yourself in that kind of world i mean it, it's a kind of a cool story and i agree how do you go from a dark um sadistic character to a person that as they say is a you know as a is you, you know you throw on the throw the buzzword out there but as somebody's from a time long past that is in that world where like and how are we oh you can't hurt me i've got my anti you know anti knife armor on you know you can't cut me and they'll probably be like wait what hold on <laughs> yeah like that, that's one book that honestly like i get to enjoy as a reader even though i'm working on it because like every time we get the script i honestly cannot wait and then i get to a page and i have those holy shit moment you know like how is this gonna happen because like on the first volume, this is not like a spoiler. We're on the second season right now. So if you haven't got uh, volume one, people check it out. It's everywhere. Amazon, your local comic shop, uh, everywhere. Uh, 
and like the first time the dark earth uh uh dragonfly is his name dragonfly mm -hmm. is a dark one and dragonfly man is the campy one he like uh gets to this hostage situation and he crashes down through the chandelier and i'm reading the script okay and instead of like you know, fighting them or whatever. He's like, oh, and he just grabs a machine gun and kills them in front of the witnesses. And oh, like, geez. oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, wait, that's not how that's supposed to go down in this world. Yeah. Well, no, and then the other one off. like shows up to the other earth and he's like, oh, please, fellow chums, how are you doing? And they just shoot him and it's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> uh, but that's when the handy anti-bullet uh, morning pills, you know. Yeah, out. exactly. But yeah, that's exactly it. Very dark. So what about uh, Boom Queens and Spider Squirrel? There's a couple names I never thought would ever go oh, okay. together. So, uh, Spider Squirrel is this very weird funny book by charlie mckelvey uh, that's one that i'm inking ariel medel over oh yes um, it's a uh, kickstarter is going to be launching like very soon i think next week for it and it's got a ton of super talented people on there uh it's just these fun superhero random like things going on there i love the designs of this because at one point i was thinking a page where it was like it's kind of like an event book for a new universe <laughs> kind of thing that's the feel that you get out of it mm -hmm. like internet crisis like but this is a brand new thing that feels lived in you know i'm like there's a the main superhero spider squirrel uh he's fighting these creatures while this giant panda looking like green lantern inspired hero is fighting a guy in a giraffe costume on a rooftop while an explosion's going off i'm like okay this is a really fun book <laughs> <laughs> And like, I'm wow. actually like working on the last page right now, uh, like before we started recording. Oh, that's uh, even better. Yeah, that, right there. There you go. That's the time of this recording. Spider Squirrel yeah. last page is being finished. <laughs> and it's got a great cliffhanger. So I'm like, oh, oh cool. It's be great. So I'm already talking to the, uh, the writers already, like thinking of the next volumes and stuff. And it's really, really exciting. Uh, and Boom Queens is for this company called uh, Myth Division. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a lot of stuff. The, the main guy running it is uh, Ramon Govea. Uh, he does a lot of like business stuff, but he's got a passion for comics and he has a great eye. Like, honestly, like I keep telling that guy, like, I would love it if he was like an editor at like Marvel or DC, because he has a great eye for talent. Uh, he's great at coordinating projects and stuff like that and putting people together and putting teams together. Um, so I work for him on Boom Queens, which is live on, uh, on Kickstarter right now mm -hmm. uh, for issue two, but like the funding was completed in like, five hours of the Kickstarter oh, wow. book, which was really nice. And it's so if you set it for 40 days, so like we're just like coming up with stretch goals at this point. Which <laughs> Let's is talk awesome. about issue nine at this point, yeah. folks. <laughs> yeah, he's it, like, I think this, yeah, he's like, at this point, I think we can like get funding for the next volume, like in a couple of weeks. I'm like, that sounds great. You know? Hopefully I'll um, be able to get the show notes since this will premiere about a week, you know, the following Tuesday that we're recording this. So hopefully I'll be able to get some links into the show notes oh, here. So I'll maybe that'll be really good for yeah. Boom Coins and Spider Squirrels. So Thank I can you. do that too. <laughs> Mark yeah. a little thing. There might be minor language in this episode, everybody, but not explicit yeah. enough. <laughs> and now, now the big one, which you know, I am a longtime fan of, especially considering here, and I know I pre-ordered a certain collection of a writer who launched this. What about Milestone Returns here? Oh yeah, that that was awesome. Like I've been wanting to work with uh, Chris Williams, the penciler, on this for a long time, like for a long, long time. And it just had like schedules haven't matched up, editorial decisions led one thing to another. Uh, but it finally happened. Like I randomly got an email from uh, one of the new editors at DC, uh, Marquis, 
uh, he's like, hey, we have this project with Chris Williams. I wonder if you were interested. I'm like, sure. He's like, oh yeah, it's Milestone. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and those who don't know uh, so Milestone, the- um, people like most people most likely know Milestone from Static Shock. If anybody's ever seen the cartoon, the comic, that's probably the most renowned thing. But there are so many characters from Milestone, from Rocket, and 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 so forth. I mean, I, it's such a great comic I, series and everything else, Dwayne McBuffie. But uh, yeah, continue. I mean, but I'm just kind of throw people on there who have probably never heard of Milestone before. Yeah, and uh, that was another one of those books where it was a very interesting working experience. And like you were talking about your mother's work with graphic design and all that, uh, knowing more about like graphic design also helped a lot with this book because uh, the artist, Chris Williams, has a very unique style um, where he likes to do certain elements traditionally, certain elements digitally uh, and stuff like that. And making them both mesh uh, it's a bit complicated, uh, but luckily, like uh, I'm experienced with the uh, Photoshop and stuff like that. And like from the first page to the last page, like there was a, a change in our process just because along the way we're like, oh, we could do this, we could do that. Like certain layers that he had set up digitally, I'm like, you know, that looks really cool, but I can set up those explosions like doing by hand on like on a separate page and then like layer them in digitally as well. Wow. And it all just kind of meshes together. And by the end, it's like a, this seamless thing where it inc- incorporates photography and actual inking and like 3D models and stuff like that. So that, that's a really, really fun, fun project to work on. Well, I'm, I'm very excited about Milestone Returns. I mean, as, as a longtime fan and reader, that, 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 is, that I'm very excited for. So it, as I say, you know, they're taking my money right there. Take my money. Shut up and I'll take, I'll take my money, please. <laughs> and I got to ink, you know, Rocket eating some tacos. So I'm like, I, oh, I, there I, we I go. Feel, well, I feel complete, you know, as an artist. Now. <laughs> now that Rocket has eaten tacos. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Next thing we know, we just we just we just need, you know, we just need you know static, you know, static just walking down saying, Hey everybody, you know, walk and have his baseball cap turned around there <laughs> and just have inkwell on the side of it. And you'd be like, and you'd be I'm like you die man. a happy man right there, Juan. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that's an amazing thing. So, um, you know, Juan, this has been just an amazing time talking to comics again. Some of the work and you've done too. Um, is there anything else uh, coming up here? I know, I know, as much as we would love to talk about Molly and Danger, I know Jamal is trying to keep up on that too. And uh, you know, hopefully, we'll see Molly Volume Two here in the near future. Or anything. Oh, there... like it, it's coming. Like, oh, I know it's coming. Has to get, like, I, I have like a folder full of pages that we're already done for the next one. So, yeah. Like hopefully uh, soon, but like, again, Jamal and I have been so fortunate now working 10 years together. We always have like great projects going. Like a project that's in stores right now is uh, White. Oh yes, White. It's the, the sequel to the uh, Black uh, that came out a couple of years and it was like super highly regarded by critics and fans and all that. And volume two is coming out right now. I think the first issue shipped last week uh, and the entire series is done. Uh, we finished it last year actually. But only okay. now is it started uh, shipping monthly. Yeah, uh, one thing about pandemics, they can mess up shipping schedules. Yeah, sure. We found, especially in the comic industry, when they've saying, "Well, comic stores are going to be non-essential." I'm like, no, they're essential. Please keep us we going. Need something to read. Please we're keep, down, keep my friends working. <laughs> Not that you guys weren't working during the whole time, but yeah, I mean, what a, what a weird thing there. But it's like, no, no, we need our comics. <laughs> Save us, comics. <laughs> Yeah, so that's in stores right now, as well as uh, Wrong Earth. Uh, the, the second, uh, the first volume is out on trade. You can get it uh, anywhere. And the second uh, volume, uh, I believe issue four. Yes, issue four of the second volume is shipping uh, next Wednesday, I believe. 
or, uh, or today as we record this, I don't know. <laughs> but as we record this, at least three issues are out and the fourth one either just came out or is coming out in a couple of days. Uh, it's no, called I... Wrong Earth, Night and Day. And I always like that, you know, you release podcasts on a Tuesday. For some reason, people always listen to podcasts on Tuesdays and comics come out on Wednesday. So it's like, <laughs> here, we're giving you a little promotional stuff here before comic day on Wednesday. Like, hey, you know, I need, maybe I need to order some wrong earth or uh, some boom queens there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so you're getting a little promotion there, Juan. <laughs> Spread that to you. everybody. <laughs> so Juan, you know, how can people get a hold of you to see your amazing work and art? Uh, I know, I mean, I, I know a thing, but what, where can they uh, reach and contact you to see your, your work out there? Uh, mainly, I just post on Instagram. It's uh, all one word, Juan Castro Inker. Uh, I post uh, a lot of random panels that I find cool and stuff like that on my wall. But most, I do a lot of stories. I like to do uh, a lot of like work in progress shots and like show the the anatomy of a panel per se like i'll post a picture in the morning when i just started it and then later in the afternoon when it's almost done then at night it's actually done that kind of thing and uh for actual art like if people like to purchase original art there's a uh, comicconart.com uh they can find the art from any uh, of the books I, uh, i've worked on in the last like five years everything's up there pretty much <laughs> So I might have a bit of a collection downstairs yeah. Juan's work here, or, you know, you know, it, it has nothing to do that we've known each other so long. <laughs> I just enjoy his work. No. <laughs> well, Juan, thank you so much again for being on the, cla uh, the pixel classroom podcast today. Here. Thank you, man. Yeah. It's been a wonderful time. Remember everybody, if you like what you hear, please think of subscribing to the pixel classroom podcast. We are on your favorite podcast network and we will talk to you later on the pixel classroom podcast. Thank you for listening to the Pixel Classroom Podcast. If you like what you heard, please think of subscribing on your favorite podcast network. Also, please think of leaving us a voicemail or question you would like us to answer on the air, and we'll be more than happy to answer that on an upcoming episode. Thanks again for listening to the Pixel Classroom Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Reed.